Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Reinsurance Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jared Lee. And I'm Ben Rose. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to you as well. <laughs> Good to see you as always. Yeah. Today, like guest. Yeah. Today, we are broadcasting from the pinnacle. I feel like this is like the peak of Mount Everest. I should wear snow gear because we're the peak of the hype cycle on, conversation. You, you, you did do some hiking recently. I did. You should share this with the, <laughs> the audio sphere. There's the audio visual sphere. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. The, somebody, the, somebody called the podcast a vlog the other day. Really? Message to me. I was like, well, it is video. Is there a good yeah. word for video podcast? A vodcast? I don't know. Is there a good no? It's just yeah. two people talking on camera at that point. <laughs> but tell us. Tell us about your hiking adventure. Oh, no. It was. Uh, there's, this, there's this challenge in the UK um, called Three Peaks, where you go and do the sort of three largest peaks in the UK um, in a 24 hour period. Um, or at least you try. It's a lot of it's dependent on the time it takes you to drive between locations and whether you're sleep deprived during those drives and and not so. Well, you know, um, I, I saw the pictures. You had snow as well. We did. Yes. Yeah. Weirdly, not on Snowden. Snowden yeah. was the sunniest and super hot. It was uh, Ben Nevis up in Scotland yeah. had a bunch of snow on top. So yeah, it was good fun though. Very good fun. And then you drove right past my house. Didn't you? I did to say hi. No, I also drove by Wrexham. Yeah, for those who are fans of the TV show, which also is a podcast reference, a couple of number of episodes ago. Yeah, um, but today we're on a different peak. The Why peak, the, <laughs> the peak of the hype cycle of, of AI, Indeed. which has come raging back now, and everybody's talking about the impact of in the future of AI, and they're writing articles everywhere about the transformative power of AI in insurance. Um, you and I are both quite happily people who look at the future and the impact of tech and all these types of things. Futurists? Futurists. Yeah. Um, Put that on my CV. <laughs> Put that on my LinkedIn title. Yeah. Um, Noted futurist, Ben Rose, <laughs> <laughs> says that AI won't change insurance just yet. Yeah, exactly. Gravestone. Never saw that coming. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but we because of the sort of launch of chat gpt which is arguably very cool in certain for doing certain tasks i think it's re-sparked this like excited mm -hmm. everything is going to change um and we are looking at and reading a number of articles more recently um and and they come out with all manner of how this will all look different uh the one that interests me the most or i found the most entertaining because abs how absurd i found it mm -hmm. was uh a piece by one of the large consultancies, uh, oftentimes going by the firm. We'll leave it there. Yeah. Uh, um, and it was about what the the impact of AI and insurance would be in the year 2030, mm -hmm. which is not terribly far away. Mm -hmm. But here, here starts this, the journey that we go on. Um, an individual uses their ro automated personal assistant and tells invisible Alexa in the sky, yeah. they need a vehicle to go to a meeting. The vehicle drives across town and picks them up. Mm -hmm. Upon entering the vehicle, they decide that they want to drive and they're prompted that they're going to have uh, the insurance adjusted because they're going to drive. Mm -hmm. um, they proceed to drive to the meeting. Um, when parking their car, they hit the pole and then it automatically calculates and creates their claim by having like a drone come in. But here was here was my issue <laughs> amongst this entire like this entire framework that they lay out. I'm reading this going, you sent a vehicle across town that was summoned by an, a genie AI 
And then as upon getting in the vehicle, which you could have gotten in for free, you chose to pay insurance yeah. to drive yourself there. Okay, and this, it wasn't, yeah. <laughs> and then this yeah. vehicle that can drive itself. <laughs> Then the vehicle that can drive itself all the way across town, navigating traffic. Yeah, yeah. Not that you're behind the wheel. You just like thump it into a lamppost. <laughs> we would get worse at driving was like, if, we we did, if, if we only cars were driven but by But surely Jesus. the car would have like an auto brake stop yeah. feature that doesn't let you smash it into stuff. <laughs> Apparently not. And, and I was like, there's just a lot happening here. Okay, so this, this actually, and this is, this is, mind you, only a few years away, Ben. Brace yourself uh, for the okay, future. Yeah, they, they played it super safe, let's be honest. They, uh, 2030. They, they this say, should be by June 2024. Well, they say you always overestimate the change that will happen in the next two years and underestimate that which will occur in the next 10. And by the time it gets anywhere near 2030, things will have happened that make everybody, yeah. you know, forgive the firm yeah. for these these childish <laughs> um, but but it's funny you said that because it reminds me a lot of um the feedback given to i don't know if you've seen apple's recent mm. play and in, into a vision pro yeah like personally by the way side note augmented reality love it from a sort of conceptual view and, and all this sort of thing and i'm actually quite excited i was devastated when they pulled google glass all those years ago i'm mm. um, so quite an interesting topic but when they were doing the demo day for it and launching with all the new features, et cetera. It's like, well, what are we going to be able to do with it? Be like, Microsoft Teams calls. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, FaceTime, but but not on a screen. And, but they couldn't really come up with anything yeah. you know, more exciting than basically stuff you can already do on your phone. Yeah. But it feels a bit like that with the AI examples you just gave in that report where it's like, well, what could we do? Uh, you could actually just drive the autonomous vehicle yeah but also you could not drive you could yeah. get a drone to do a claim in a crash that you probably shouldn't have it, it, it starts to feel like one of these classic yeah tech well, and, for a, a problem to solve yeah and i think we're we're really really bad at thinking outside of our exist our actual experiences when we look towards the future right even if you think of like the jetsons like they have flying cars, but then traffic jams as they all sort of leave for work at the same time and their flying vehicles are just lined up on roads in the sky that are all blocked up now and they sit like, surely if we can get to flying vehicles, we have solved for traffic congestion a bit we'll, better. We'll never overcome queuing. No, exactly. No, exactly. We love a queue. Um, but, but the point you raised earlier, I think, is the really interesting theme that underlines all of this, as there's this real excitement about the future of insurance and how AI in its various forms is going to transform how this industry operates. I would disagree. I would say there's a huge excitement about AI and insurance people don't want to miss out. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, insurance is going to be done. Yeah. It's like, well, no, yeah. AI is a thing and, and you want some too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and maybe that's sort of the, the, the thought behind my point is the insurance industry is known to be behind all the other industries for a reason. Yeah. So whilst um, sort of across society, I think it's exactly right, the quote that we'll overestimate what we can do in two years, but underestimate what we can do in 10 years. I think when it comes to insurance, I think we're massively overestimating what change will happen in 10 years. The technology that we have today, like we should have been able to be doing electronic trading across our industry from a purely technological point of view for decades now like there's there's other reasons why this industry is slower to adopt things and 
there's certainly because there's certainly going to be some super interesting things about extracting data from contracts. There's certainly been interesting things about how we improve engagement with clients and customers. But I think it's going to look relatively similar as it does today in 2030. I think, um, yeah, I mean, maybe it's worth just for the, the sort of audience benefit here explaining why now and why is everybody so excited about AI again, mm-hmm. I guess, because, you know, people will remember everybody got excited about AI years ago for yeah. other reasons. And before that, again, you know, different versions of what artificial intelligence means. Yeah. I, I I guess it's important to highlight that this is one of the first real for successful forays, I guess, into generative yeah. AI versus some of the actually often active other AI use cases that have been around for a decade or more. Yeah. Well, I think the generative piece is generally very, very cool. And if you've used ChatGPT and you've asked it questions and it like writes a, a story about whatever topic you want and then you ask, ask it to write it in Shakespearean English or like it's just very impressive and it feels amazing. Mm. Um, so I think that it's re-sparked people's imagination on what it can do. But the generative AI models that write stories to that reflect humans aren't actually like they're trained on data, but sort of static cuts of data. And so it oftentimes will make things up. It will like hallucinate. It'll hallucinate is the term they apply to it. Um, I was even, I was reading this this morning. Um, there's a claim in the U S right now about a lawyer who wrote, um, have you seen this one where okay. he, he files his motion writing chat GPT and uh, essentially the, the position is um, the statute of limitations has expired for his mm-hmm. client's thing and he asked chat GPT for examples where the statute didn't apply and it gave him like six cases and he slaps the motion down he's like here are evidence mm-hmm. for all the reasons it's none of it's true <laughs> right? and so now this person is is have, he's I think being sued or something where, and he's like oh, I thought it I just thought I had information that I didn't have access to. You're like, what? For so you, where? It's not, you know, so you're having a bit of this happening. And this is the, the funny thing, right, where it's, it's, it's two different versions of ChatGPT. And some of them could be, sorry, of, of AI. Some of them could be very useful. I, For example, by creating sort of pools of association and being able to quantify the relationships between words and groups of words, we are able to use AI to infer similar meaning from single words or groups of words to enable it to effectively, very convincingly appear to understand yeah. what it's talking about. But in reality, it's continuing to just statistically guess what the most most appropriate word to put in at yeah. any given time is. Yeah. Um, if you use that in a extractive sense, it means it can read things in quite a clever way. So it can read, you know, so the lawyer example, it can look at loads of case law and, and look for examples uh, where, you know, this this sort of thing has happened. It might, might be able to realize that we should consign this case to the trash heap of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means the same as we should ignore this case. Yeah. I and, and use that in a useful way. However, that's if it's accessing real sources and it's being used to group things in, yeah. in a completely different application to the way that ChatGPT exists. ChatGPT, on the other hand, is generative and is creating stuff, often stuff that doesn't exist at all, mm. on the basis of what it expects stuff to look like, yeah. to the point where, as you said, it invents legal cases that sound incredibly convincing. It invents code 
that looks incredibly convincing. It invents website addresses. We used it the other day where I, I was looking just as an experiment to try and find, you know, articles or or to pair uh, common mentions between, you know, certain events and, and so on. And I said, show me your sources. And it invented sources, really? literally made up website addresses that yeah. were incredibly convincing, you know, www.bbc.com slash, you know, and then a really convincing uh, end, end of address. I, but when you clicked on it, it was like, oh, funny, this this doesn't actually exist. Yeah. I, but using its knowledge of frequency of form, yeah, and what the form of these things should look like, I so it's all it's all kind of form and no content yeah. in some ways on the generative yeah. yeah side of things. So if you, if you want to use it to, if you can provide it with the content and ask it to improve the form, yeah. it's actually being really useful. I know like lots of. Uh, coders are actually finding it quite useful uh, as a form checker yep. and we've had you know co-piloty type things for a while that do that i think there's another one in, in the law world called co-counsel yep. uh, that again would look and, and just sort of spot things for you yep. uh, so that you are able to check your form but i think the the thing that people need to remember is that there does need to be a driver who's checking and in some cases providing completely on their own the content that they actually want to run with yeah, but ChatGPT can help you with the form. Yeah, and I, I think this is one of the bigger applications that I I feel exists in insurance is just making it where because we've we've had this complaint against the industry for a number of years, and and Lemonade sort of really raised this maybe five years ago, but this complaint that policy wordings are very very complicated, especially for end consumers. Mm -hmm. This is more the insurance side than the reinsurance side, which are also complicated policies, um, but where you have it where a general consumer doesn't quite understand how their policy should work and they look into read a policy document and they are left more confused. And the ability for a, one of these models to answer questions based on a specific thing and interpret, as you mm -hmm. said, relatively complex legal jargon, but then just distill, distill it into a simple layman's term, layman's person's version of this thing. Um, so those, those areas I think are gonna be very, very interesting. Um, but the applications to like underwriting and like the likelihood of claims and I think we're at this current point in time a little bit overly ambitious around the impact that that might have, right? This sort of we'll use the hundreds of thousands of data points yeah. to do all this stuff in real time. We had all the same conversations around blockchain. Mm -hmm. Like you'll do this thing and the whole universe will recognize that action has taken place and everything will update in real time. Yeah, yeah. Like I I get the ambition there, um, but it doesn't feel as likely that we're going to get to those sorts of things. And I, I think even the founders have come forwards right, and said themselves, Han handle our, our new thing with care. It's in its infancy. I, and unfortunately, one of its greatest skills is looking credible and looking convincing. Yep. So if there's one thing that they're very good at, these these large language models, it is convincingly making up and, and telling you yeah. stuff that isn't fully correct and i think a lot of analyses have now been done to suggest when you should use i uh, these generative ai models and when you shouldn't and it if you're looking for accuracy and reliability it, typically the advice is steer clear mm. i because it is this black box that you don't know how it's generated the results yep. that you asked for often if you hit re refresh on the same request word for word you'll get a different response yep. even if it's got numbers in it yep. you know and and so on so i think 
for us while, while we did look you know as part of the wave of the hype curves excitement mm. at like who oh, could supersede be using you know this in our application actually i think we're steering quite sharply the other way and saying we want to be transparent about how data is transformed we want to be fundamentally mathematically accurate and reliable yeah. in everything that we do so that you have that confidence that it's not been hallucinated yeah. when you're doing something really yeah. important like buying reinsurance well yeah and that veracity of data and the authentic and so the accuracy of it is fundamental to everything in the insurance value chain and as ambitious as we might get around improving the speed and efficiency in which people work the most important thing across every step of the insurance chain from the end consumer looking at a quote online to the retro premiums requires the data to be accurate and correct and even if there's small chances of data being manipulated or or um, incorrect and inaccurate it's going to have a lot of knock-on effects and i think our industry rightfully so has an aversion to making those mistakes and so we'll we'll continue to err on the side of patience and caution and you know away from going well we don't quite know let's yeah. have another human double check that because that human will recognize that that doesn't make any sense um, again, I think, and I think the future will be a sort of hybrid model, but I think you'll see a slower adoption in our industry, rightfully so, because mm -hmm. we work in a different product than tons of interesting, you know, user consumer products. It's funny. I actually met yesterday with somebody from a, one of the big challenger banks. Mm -hmm. I, and we had a conversation about open AI and, and said, you know, are, are you exploring it? And they said, well, to be honest, we've, we've looked at it, but it's not what we do. At the end of the day, people want us to be a bank and to be reliable and accurate. And yeah. that's where we put our energy into building very robust technology for that. Yeah. I, so again, an exciting distraction, maybe, for fintech. Mm. Maybe something that can be used for distribution or engagement, customer engagement, this type of thing, but not something that's going to inform very important I, interactions where the numbers matter <laughs> yeah yeah well and the the difficult position I, I find myself in when thinking about it is as much as we've kind of gone on this here's why i don't think this is going to change everything in the next five to mm -hmm. ten years in our industry part of me still harbors this position of am i the person in you know 1994 talking about how the internet is going to be such a dumb idea you could never buy things or you can never trust a source well weirdly we can't anymore um but you had, you had this at the introduction of the internet when that became a thing huge numbers of skeptics coming out going here's why this mm -hmm. isn't going to change anything and in hindsight they look very very silly so there's always a part of it, the back of my mind kind of going, am I missing something with this? And I, mm. there's enough things that are changing. I think it will have a bigger impact and it will yeah. apply to certain industries, as you said, more than others. But there, I'm, I'm still harboring this nagging thing of going, am, is there a thing that I just am fundamentally wrong on that means insurance will look fundamentally yeah, different yeah. and you will summon a self-driving crowd that you can then crash mm. <laughs> in six years' time? I, I think people will find it. I think it's important to caveat or comments as reflecting ai as as it is now yeah in very mass market publicly available versions of these large language models i think already a lot of people are trying i'm uh, putting a lot of energy into how do we make these more reliable how do we mm -hmm. you know train the model on very specific data sets yeah uh, 
and ensure that it doesn't hallucinate where possible or go rogue so that maybe they could explain to customers yeah. what co- is covered by their insurance policy and what isn't without saying, oh, yeah, that's definitely covered <laughs> and yeah. even elaborating further that, yeah. you know, and so is this space flight to the moon as well. You know? Well, yeah. I, I think you're right in. So one of the big concerns the industry is having around a chat GPT and the other sort of open source ones is if putting real data into it and client data and protected data into it, because once it's there, it's, mm. it's on the internet, essentially. It's, it's going to yep. be there forever. Um, and there's a massive spike in companies building private, mm. you know, um, uh, GPTs and in other environments and in private clouds that they can inject their own data and then do work within their own secure data set. Um, and the industry has been doing and making a sort of a, a land grab on data for a number of years now, um, following the sort of the data is the new oil mm-hmm. position that we've talked about for a number of years now. But I wonder if this is going to have any impact on like an M&A environment. Like, could you have, could, for example, if we use Aon, could Aon be interested in buying like a claims company? Because they could then just this universe of claims that that company administers and they have now that data source that they can layer on. Like, might it change? Because M&A in our industry, we've talked about before, has always been like access to new markets or new products or those types of core things. Mm-hmm. But if data is the really powerful thing that can feed these models, might you see a, a growing diversity in m and targets? Maybe. And I guess this is perhaps a way of linking together the two different strands that we talked about at the beginning in the sense that if generative AI depends on the training data, then is extractive AI, as in that which can be used to scrape and comb through, you know, relevant sources, the key to building the intelligence needed to then create actually more useful generative AI, in which case sort of a double a double edged sword in you know, in the sense that you're holding the sword rather, yeah. rather than it's twice as sharp and dangerous. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know that for years and years we've talked about data is the new oil and data is the bedrock of insurance companies, you know, knowledge and assets. They've got loads of data, but they don't know how to access it. It's trapped within PDFs and, and PDFs with JPEG images stuck on them mm-hmm. randomly and, and all sorts. How do they use, you know, OCR or otherwise to actually get... I characters out of that information and then how do they interpret it and get it into a structured yeah. set of information that can then be used initially to gather facts but now potentially not just to gather facts but actually to train a generative AI that can then take those facts forward yeah. and redeploy that intelligence for something else without yeah. you know somebody having to step in and do that but it would be such a big black box right in terms of and how did you get to that conclusion? Yeah. Well, and, and the ability to to have absolute certainty that everything is correct, right? So yeah. if you have, you know, you write a policy and you have it translated into a new language or mm. do something else, and if anything has changed, like that, that person now has a legally binding policy with fundamentally wrong yeah. information to it, which, you know... Um, what, there was a piece in the in, Insurance Insider that Marcel wrote that I thought was excellent. It was a two two part piece, um, but he talks about as well the sort of need to bring in sort of regulation and government bodies because, mm. as you say, the especially like rating agency. If you're having if you're using 
sort of AI models to better price and risk and all these types of things, like the regulators hate models that they can't interrogate. Yeah, exactly. right? You have to submit your rates in advance. You have to get approval for your new rates and all these kind of things. So whilst, again, the ambition is to like look at how we can transform this whole thing, there's regulators that sit in front of there. And there's... Um, I mean, ethics of AI was already a minefield before generative AI. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so like, when you when you kind of go... And, yeah, exactly. What if it's like, oh, they're in this income bracket in this part of the city. So just like that, we've... The yep. AI has done something here. Yep. Like, all of that is just a minefield. And um, it, it'll be interesting because you have to bring in a lot of different parties and this industry will adopt this slowly because it's going to have to kind of... A, tackle and address those things yeah and it's an exciting one and in some ways i think i'm because we've been on a few of these journeys mm. working in in short tech and innovation for a while i'm quite eager for us to fall into the trough of disillusionment after the peak of the hype curve yep. because that's when the real use cases start to come out yep and where some hardy little startups and innovation teams around the industry will actually start some real things moving yeah uh, that's when you can really see how this is going to pan out yeah. well and um i used this example a couple of years ago um at the insurtech insights conference um an analogy which you you know we love analogies um but it was it was a reference to like the jetsons and they were you know looking at the future and and love the jetsons i do love I've the, never jetsons. Seen the jetsons you've never seen the jetsons yeah, oh, hanna barbera from the 1950s yeah, yeah. It's all the same. Yeah. Um, well, not the same. Scooby-Doo in it? Scooby-Doo <laughs> doesn't make a... I don't know. I, I wonder if they've done it. Done it like those cr- <laughs> it's like the Flintstones and the Jetsons meet Scooby-Doo. It's all the yeah. whole happy family. Um, but when they sort of projecting the the world forward, and I talked about the traffic jam yeah, incident yeah. a bit ago, but they also had Rosie, the robotic maid, that wheeled around the house and mm-hmm. would do dishes and would yeah. do the laundry. like. The way you did it in the 1950s, yeah. but she was a robot, <laughs> yeah. right? And and what we what we oh, got the in... dynamics of this robot, as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it had the little little yeah. I uh, can picture thing around her waist. But when we actually leaned into solving problem for problems for people that mattered, mm. we got washing machines, and we got dishwashers, and we got a tool that was built built for a specific purpose that said. I have a bunch of dirty dishes. And I don't want to spend a bunch of time doing that. I don't need a, a robot to drive around my a robot. I pronounced that very weird. <laughs> you know, I don't need a robot to drive around my my home doing tasks. Yeah, there are specific things, and I think this will be another instance of that. Right now, we're kind of in that it could do all the things like and just insert people tasks. <laughs> but I think what we will find for it is some unique elements that like oh that like proofreading a paper like here's this thing i've put together maybe with support of things or help me finish a sentence or but you polish this piece up remove that like yeah help like elemental improvements and things i think was I, what was identify where the form of this thing differs from the normal yeah yeah it's interesting i think um the the sort of overall episode we started with a consulting uh, example but i an old adage in the consulting world is not boiling the ocean mm. right if you want to get a cup of of hot water you can either boil the ocean and dip a cup in it and then you've got a cup of hot water or you can just get a cup of water and boil that yeah um but i think that's very much the case there you know like mm. we want to make it easier to do the dishes and so we will entirely 
build a humanoid organic organism out of metal mm. and wires as the first challenge. Yeah. You know, <laughs> try and do all of that first just in order to get clean dishes. I think at the moment we are at the stage of like, ah, oh, you know, we could boil literally the entire internet's worth of information yeah. uh, in the hope of getting one small cup of useful generative AI. But as people start to realize exactly what they want to come out with, you know, what is the cup of yeah. useful boiling water that you want, then they'll be able to actually, yeah. you know, work with a much more precise and useful well, starter set. And, and this is this is the the thing that I think we enjoy sort of spectating on in the hype curve is from the peak, you then where ever where it can do anything. What's it best for? Everything. <laughs> like it's just capital all all caps locks and exclamation points. It can do everything. Um, and we look at what it will change and how the world might look and everything will be different. There's somebody just screaming at you. It's all different. Um, and then you realize that that probably won't change and that won't either. And all of a sudden you're, you're on this slope as it, as it yeah. drops down into this trough of disillusionment. Um, but the real interest and excitement is that as you come out of that and you reach the plateau of productivity. Yes, yes. I think I got it. Goodness me, you're a gardener um, prey. I am a master of a gardener hype cycle. Um, but you come out under this this plateau of productivity with some really interesting things. Now we've we've found the use cases and the types of things that are most important, and it's deployed into those areas to immense effect, and and everyone's happier, right? Yes, it never did that thing, but that's it was that thing wasn't actually that bad of big of a deal anyway in hindsight, right? So. I think with this, I'm I'm really excited to see where it goes, especially with things like you know art and making little things really easy to do, where it's not going to transform or take away artists, but it'll allow people to be creative in smaller amounts, or people to write stories and get the imagery created for it that help them, you know, like those types of things. I think are really engaging. It might be you know harmless so, yeah. and nice. Are we allowed to carry on? Yeah, we've got a minute or two. Yeah. 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 Okay. We can carry on. Because you mentioned the art right? thing. The art yeah. thing's really interesting. So I've been looking into this a bit as well. I, because of the form content relationship here, right, the form aspect that it trains itself on, you know, what should art look like? Some vague taxonomy that it's trained on. This is 18th century whatever versus impressionism versus mm -hmm. pointillism. I don't know. You know, for visual, for example, but equally for music, for all sorts of areas where you can apply this. But what it means you end up with is always pastiche, mm -hmm. right? Never anything especially original. I, which is very interesting then because what starts to happen and what we've seen start to happen in the AI I, art world is creativity around the content. So some artists yeah, i think there's one who won the sony photography award with a fake photo mm. recently where as far as they were concerned the role of the artist was in determining the perfect prompt uh, for one of the image generating mm. ais that would give it something very interesting when it hit the go button almost yeah. uh, and i think similarly you know poets using ais uh, authors uh, anyone using the the medium now of artificial intelligence to generate something the role of the artist changes not that much in some ways it's just that your your paintbrush is now artificial intelligence yeah. your instrument whatever it might be that that's now artificial intelligence and your job is to come up with a prompt that gives you what you want on the canvas at the yeah. end 
And weirdly, that's becoming a skill, right? Yeah. Like if you look at how complicated some of the prompts have been to generate really interesting AI art yeah. and not generic or particular moods or striking yeah. things, that, that's where the art's coming in now. Well, and I think that is kind of a natural evolution of art in many ways. If you look at modernist art, which people have sort of, you know, it's, it's the mm. marmite of the art world, I think, in many ways. But it's very easy to go into a modern gallery and be like, well, I could have painted a door red or I could have arranged cans on the floor this way. But what the artist is doing... Did you, Jared? <laughs> but I didn't, did I? <laughs> um, but, but what the artist is doing is they're saying, this is conveying this concept in a way. Like, mm. It's the same thing as as the prompting here saying an artist is preparing a, a prompt to elicit emotions based on a certain framework that they're working within. And the output of that will still differentiate. Like, yes, it's a photograph of mm. garbage in the city, but like the one that you and I might take on our phones versus the one that made it into yeah. a gallery is different for a number of reasons. And I think we're going to see something very similar with the prompts and the, the art will be in how do you prompt it to create something of actual artistic value. We've got profound in this episode. Oh, it's deep. AI, yeah. I love it. We should do some random episodes on completely unrelated topics. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the reinsurance should. podcast. <laughs> of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder how much of our, our reinsurance following would, would continue to follow us into. And here's an episode purely about philosophy <laughs> i think we should do one completely rogue one time yeah we have to have a chat with our, our marketing department yeah and the producers <laughs> and see what they think until next time wait wait for the next completely rogue episode of the reinsurance podcast <laughs> thanks everyone